lady who was bringing him food, and I'm nearly sure one of the foods was a big steak. Do can monks eat meat? Pardon? There was a picture on the Facebook page, and there was somebody was coming to offer him food, and I think one of the plates was a big steak. Okay. Is that okay? Do monks eat steak and meat? Monks eat food. Yeah, but do they eat steak? I thought you're all vegetarians. No, no, listen to me. Monks eat food. They eat the food that's offered. Oh, no problem. That's no butter. That's no butter. And uh, I see they do some chanting as well. Now, I know, I know you don't talk too much about chanting, but are these all good things? Mostly it's because I don't want to bore the students with it. Okay. <laughs> you want to hear some chanting? I got some. <laughs> yeah, but 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 it, is is there any benefit to chanting? I, I I never hear you prescribe chanting. Um, that's because the people that I would prescribe chanting to have no opportunity to learn how to do it. There is very very little chanting that is available on the internet, and so. Uh, Chanting along with them on the internet would be one of the ways of doing it. In fact, one of the things that could, could be found would be something like Yipiti So Bhagawa Araha Samma Sambuto Icha Charana Sampano Logabidu. Dot dot dot. It goes on. So, um, yes, there there is chanting. It has several values. One value is that it helps focus the mind. That while you're chanting the Dhamma, you're not having a whole lot of unwholesome thoughts. Okay, okay, cool. So it's like a kind okay. of another form of meditation? Well, if you want to call it that, I'll agree that you could use the word meditation for that too. Uh, a better way of saying it is that it prepares, that in the evening, uh, the monks will chant for about 20 minutes for the evening chant, and then they will sit for about 20 minutes with the understanding that uh, the chanting helps prepare the mind for the sitting meditation, that you're practicing wholesome thoughts, you're uh, uh, remembering, you're getting the mind focused so that the next 20 minutes will be of great value to you. Okay. okay. The next point about the about the, the chanting is is that in the time of the Buddha, this was the way that the Dhamma was transmitted, was by tra by the the students memorizing a passage, and then after they learned to memorize it, then they were dis they were dis they would discuss it line by line, word by word, so that the students understood what it was that he had memorized. And that was the main way of learning the Dhamma back in the time when people didn't have books, that you had to rely upon your own memory. This is also part of the reason why the Dhamma is so numerically oriented in the sense of five hindrances and seven factors of enlightenment and eight no four noble paths and four noble truths and five aggregates and um, Three kinds of feelings and um, 16 stages of Anapanasati and uh, 12 steps of Paticca Samapada. All of those things are memory aids to help us to remember. 
But Western Buddhists, when they hear about all of those uh, numbered things, they think that that means that the Dhamma is very complicated. No, those are just memory aids to help the monks remember things that are very easy. Okay. All right. And so the chanting has enormous value when it's done correctly. But Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa wasn't a big fan of it. But when I got into the United States, I was with a monk named Maha Samsat, who was, uh, he is, let us say, within certain communities in Lao, Thai, and uh, Khmer, that he is the go-to guy when it comes to chanting. That he does all of the chanting, and uh, there's quite a, a history uh, that I have with uh, Mahasamsai. But it was in defense of him that I actually wrote a book on chanting. There's a book out published someplace that uh, um, it's about, more well, what, 250 pages or so of, of a, a book that I wrote in 2008. The name of it is The Complete Book of Pali Chanting. So you can Google The Complete Book of Pali Chanting and come up with it because it's out there on, online. So um, when you recognize that I've actually written a book on chanting, you may not have the same opinion that I don't like it. <laughs> so, uh, Demoretto, I know they do chanting and meditation early in the morning, like 6 or 6.30, and the same in the uh -huh. evening time at around 6 or 6.30 p.m. But them mm -hmm. times are not, I will not be able to get down there at them times. So, but That's I'm still okay. presuming there's still plenty of benefit for me going down in between them times when I can. Right. If you can get there a little bit earlier, 1 p.m. local time is a little late. If you have to uh, be late, I would say 12 would be better, but 11 would be even better than that, and 10 okay. would be the ideal time. Right, so okay. Okay, so, and here's what happens, that at 10 a.m., people start to arrive, they make friends, this is the time for you to meet people, meet the abbot, see things the way that they are, and then at 11 is when uh, the chanting for the noon meal will start, and then they will do the chanting and then the meal, and then that meal may be a long one. And so if you show up at one o'clock, they still may be eating. Or the other thing is after the, the, the lunchtime meal, normally in Asia, because of the tropics and uh, histories and all of that, this is the time for people to disappear to their kutis to take a nap. And so if you wind up there at, at uh, one o'clock in the afternoon, the abbot may just have left and is not available. That's one of the dangers of 1 p.m. If you can arrive a little bit before that, the earlier you can arrive closer to 12 o'clock, the better. So I'd say 12.50 is better than one o'clock. This is kind of the critical time. Uh, at one o'clock, you may not be able to see him. Because he's gone. That's someplace. no problem. I'll stay in there and meditate. Yeah. Or there may be someone there. I'd be yeah, it won't be a dead waste even if he's not there. It will not be a waste even if he's not yes. there. Yeah, and I might meet someone and 
they might I might they might pass on a message for me that I'm interested in the Dama and you never mm-hmm. know. I'll see him another time. Oh, you never know. I do. I've been there done that. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Um no, that's brilliant. I'm looking forward I'm really, really looking forward to it now and uh I really want to get involved there. Like um and what kind of stuff Damarato will be passed on to me on a like from just being around a noble person, like like remember we spoke about before people who yeah. have no formal reputation or anything, but but just from being in the sangha, they they become nobles themselves. So what kind of stuff will be happening there? Maybe even on a subconscious level that will rub off on me from being around nobles. Ah uh, well, if he's cheerful, then cheer will rub off. If he's happy, then happiness will rub off. What if he's he like Mahasi? Hmm? What if he's like Mahasi Saido? Or or is it was it his uh, Upandita who wasn't so cheerful? <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm assuming that uh uh that the guy is uh, a cool dude. I I would just go with that. So okay, um, so I, I, I would assume. That. Anyway, Demoretto, I'm in work. Thanks for the call, and I leave your my other your other damn dude there. Have some time. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Dean. Okay, Dean. Good luck. Have fun at the what? Well, indeed. Thanks, guys. So, Cat. Hello. You're yes, okay. Let me yes. Hi. It would be better if you could turn your camera side. Oh yeah. That's horizontal. You also have it on screen lock, so you need to change the screen lock. Oh uh, screen rotation. Oh, uh, hold on. Like oops. Like this? That's oops. That's the that's the cam that's the back camera. Okay. Do you have an Android? Do I have a uh, yeah yeah. Okay. Hold it vertically. Scroll down uh, with the the fingers from the top of the screen, and it'll give you a little menu. And one of the menu items should be screen rotation or screen lock. Oh, like auto rotate. Yeah, auto rotate. Okay, change that, and now change the camera and see if it doesn't. There you go. <laughs> hey, I should I should be the one who knows this stuff. <laughs> you know, but yeah, cool. Right, right, all right. <laughs> anyway, it's good to see you again. I I see that you um were enjoying what Dean and I were were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I really encourage people to go to to meet Asian monks and whatnot. You'll get a whole lot more value out of that than you will by going to get your Buddha friends on Reddit or someplace. <laughs> yeah, I hope to visit like these places someday and go actually maybe go to Thailand or something and be in it, like really in it. You know, when I get well, maybe. Where you live? I'll actually, you know, I live in a Buddha center <laughs> in the UK, but it's uh, it's uh, it's not like. Um, have you heard of Kidampa Buddhism? 
No, describe it to me. It's like basically, well, have you heard of Geshle Gyatso Rinpoche? You use the word Rinpoche, which that, that clicks. Okay, right. So this okay. is uh, Vajrayana or um, Tibetan. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a kind of a tradition of Tibet Tibetan Buddhism, and um, it's called Kedampa, and it's it's this modern New Age Buddhism kind of thing, and they have all these centers that you can volunteer and stay at, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty far out, you know. <laughs> it's it's what well, kind of wild people would often describe it as like a cultish Buddhism kind of thing, and um, whenever you look it up, um, it's very. Um, it's very like modern. I don't know how to, I really don't know how to describe it, to be honest. Um, okay. But it is Mahayana. Well, what you're saying is, is that it's run by Westerners. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Not by Asians. Okay, that's, that's the main thing. All right. So the first thing is, is that they probably hold the Dalai Lama in very high regard. Oh, they actually are really against the Dalai Lama. I, I don't know, they're, they're really like, um, it's weird, like the, the, the guy who created this Kadampa is really not with the whole Dalai Lama thing, you know? It's it's oh, like, really? a, yeah, it's like an uprising <laughs> Tibetan Buddhism, but it, it's like stripped away most of the Tibetan stuff and he introduced it so modern, like Westerners can understand it. So a lot of this Tibetan stuff is really stripped away and it's a bit more... I suppose, perceivable for Westerners. Okay. Well, what I would say, I mentioned the Dalai Lama because the Dalai Lama, uh, we have a video of the Dalai Lama with Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, where the Dalai Lama calls Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa his elder brother. The word elder is kind of important there. Okay. So, if the Dalai Lama considers Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa his elder brother, that uh, points to the relationship between Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and uh, the, the Dalai Lama, uh, and puts the Dalai Lama with all of the other monks who would consider Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa their elder brother or their their teacher in a way. But since your crowd there is anti-Dalai Lama, that might not be such a useful piece of information. Well, they're not my crowd. I'm just volunteered here to be in, in uh, this place, you know. I, I don't follow it so much. <laughs> okay. Um, to get me oriented a little bit, what, what teaching do they have that is, uh, let us say, antagonistic to the Dalai Lama? Or is it uh, because... Actually, I do know that the Dele that there are what four or five different groups within Tibetan, and the Dalai Lama is only in 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 one of the bigger ones. But there are various older groups. But from what you're telling me, this is a brand new break off. Yeah, this is like uh, 1980s, I think. Uh, um, Yatso started this whole thing, actually. Um, yeah, and he's just been building centers across the world, and they're really wild temples, and it's very um, based around practices like a lot of puja, a lot of, it's like a lot of um, visualization, um, 
Well, visualization is very much part of the Tibetan system. That's why they have tonkas and mandalas, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like all these kind of Buddhas, like Rajagini. Um... Actually, that's a, not the right way to look at it. Instead of calling them magic beings, think of them as ideal states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideal qualities or something. Ideal qualities rather than ideal people. Yeah, yes. Um, Tara? I, I don't know, there's quite a few. Um, honestly, I don't know. I couldn't. The protector of Dharma, Daoshin or something, and Heru. I, I don't remember. I never, I never put much attention to all of their the names of these qualities and things yeah. like that. But I, I have been to Nepal and saw quite a lot of the art and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that in fact, the Vajrayana is the one that I would know the least amount about. I'm pretty big on Zen. Mm. Yes, I have never like been anywhere. Like I only became here because it's the only really available Buddhist thing that was more approachable for me. Because I have no idea what... I have no what idea how... What city is this? It's in, you know, it's in the Lake District of the UK. So it's near Liverpool, I would say. About an hour away okay. from it. All right. That gives me an idea. Okay. Yeah. So it's out in the wilderness about an hour from Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can show you the... the... Never, never mind. I got enough. That's that's oh. what I was trying to do. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a mansion. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And the temples here are crazy, like big golden temples full of statues. And it's really wild. Well, that's what happened to Christianity. So I can imagine that that's what happens to Buddhism when it gets to the West. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. What shall we talk about today, then? Yeah. Um, so basically, like, I've just been following your advice very um, straight up, you know. Um, things actually have been going really nicely in the sense I feel just this, gra like, this gladdening every day, nonstop has been changing me like almost like fundamentally in a way like day to day like when I wake up till I sleep things are totally different and there's a lot more control and seeing in the mind and the way I feel and meditation is becoming a lot more enjoyable when I go to sit and I've been splitting the sitting actually for like half an hour a couple of times a day instead of just this one hour where it's not the most enjoyable or also mm -hmm. like three times for 20 minutes a day. It's a lot more beneficial, I feel like. And I do a lot of walking too, but um, yeah, maybe like there's some things like in terms of meditation, but I also wanted to ask you more life kind of scenarios and, and stuff, you know, like, um, uh, yeah, like certain obstacles that aren't are more like, Westerner obstacles, <laughs> you know, like... Uh, well, are you talking about the obstacles that you're going to experience there where you are, or 
obstacles when you're not there, when you're other places, because they're not going to be the, exactly the same obstacles. Well, actually, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm leaving here on Sunday because there's a festival and I can't stay. So um, basically, what I'm, I have no, no idea, like, I, I could do whatever I want for about a month or so. And I just don't know what is, like, a good approach to development like what because i was thinking like wow like it would be really crazy to just go hitchhiking or something or travel or do something that's very developed like it's very confrontational confrontational towards your inner development so to say you know what i mean that makes no, sense no i don't okay. no i don't but i i wouldn't say confrontational maybe um nourishing would be a better word to use yeah to be able to really be in it in it whatever it is mm -hmm. like and to be able to build the character and the understanding and let it, letting go and kind of surfacing up a lot of little like things because even thinking about like hitchhiking or something surfaces up like all it is fear and little anxious you know terrible a lot of attachment comes up you know like mm -hmm. stuff like that basically and i wasn't really sure like there's so many possibilities to like work aways or to go to another country and stay and work from food and money and stuff um you know and yeah it's like a lot of those things are really it's really hard to know what's a good what's a good uh um well all of those things that you're asking about is what should I do with the outside when you call me? I'm going to be more interested in talking about what's happening on the inside. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, All right. By the way, this this group that you're uh, with there, do they mention a term like choiceless awareness? Mm, no, I've heard of that though. Okay. Because that's a Vajrayana term. And since you've already mentioned that they do puja and they do tankas and they do visualizations and all of that kind of stuff, I was wondering if they also did the choiceless awareness or what kind of meditation that, or what kind of practice or what kind of things that they're doing when they're doing what they're calling meditation. Their meditation is very strange. They really don't emphasize meditation that much here. It's more, it's it's more um, very deep, rooted in compassion and a lot of um, wishing, like wishful. There's a lot of wishful prayer and and hoping. And oh, like may all beings be happy. Yes, that yeah. kind of wishful thinking. Uh huh. Okay. Right. Me, if you call it meta, they never call it meta around here, but it's like that basically. Oh, what did they call it? I don't know. <laughs> it's called wishful, wish fulfilling jewels or something like that. Wish fulfilling jewel, stuff like that, where you would like, you would really recite. Oh, like, it sounds like there's a lot of magical stuff in yes. in this. Oh, maybe that's why it appeals so much. Here's one of the things that's very interesting. You're talking about Tibetans. Guess what? In the West, there are very, very few Tibetans. 
of all of the native-born Buddhists that you'll meet, almost all of them will be Theravada because of the situation in Southeast Asia. So Sri Lanka, Burma, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Those are all Theravada countries. Well, there's a lot of Mahayana in Vietnam, but most of those are all Theravada countries. To where Japanese that came to the United States, they didn't come to promote Zen the way that the, the Thai people. So the, the main thing is Theravada that you're going to find in, in the West. Uh, but the problem with the Vajrayana is, is that there is very few Tibetans anyway. But of all the area, land area of Tibet, it was all so mountainous that the original population was very small anyway. And that of all of the Tibetans, now it's part of China. But even in the 1950s, many of the Tibetans that left, they went to India to stay. There has been no mass migration out of Tibet to England or the United States or any of the Western countries. Almost all of the Vajrayana that you'll find in the West are Westerners pretending to be Tibetans, which is not true for the Theravada, because at every Theravada Wat that you'll find in the West by the hundreds, they all want an absolutely Thai or Asian head abbot, if not every monk in the temple is is Asian. But in the Theravada, excuse me, in the Vajrayana, in the Tibetan, every Tibetan um, temple or situation that I've ever been in has always been run by Westerners who at best just know the names of some Asians. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That that's one of the reasons why we didn't do very much in North Carolina. We had like uh, more than 40 monks, dozens of, of Watts, the Vietnamese and the Lao and the Thai and the Cambodian and the Vietnamese, uh, Burmese and Sri Lankans all worked together. But there was a Vajrayana temple in um Asheville, North Carolina, and that was the only thing in Asheville. And so the the, the Asian people that were in a, in Asheville would want us to come to Asheville. They didn't want this Vajrayana uh, um, guy because he was an American, and he didn't mix with any of the other monks. But that's the way that it seems like that even though in Asia, the Tibetans are just part of the group. But in the West, the Tibetans are the odd man out because for them, uh, all of the stuff that happens in the West is all done by Westerners. But we're in the Theravada system, all of it is still Asian, except for Western Buddhism. So the Westerners tend to go towards the Westerners where they're not going to find Buddhism or the real Buddha. They go for other uh, Westerners because it's convenient. Just like you're, you wound up where you are because it was a convenient thing to do. Everybody there speaks English. Yes, that was pretty much it's, the whole thing. <laughs> uh -huh. if, if it was a, uh, let us say, everything was exactly the same except for the people there 
were uh, the head monks and all were Thai, then that means that Thai language would be the predominant language spoken there. But where you are, the predominant language is English because it's not well represented represented in the Tibetan language. And so you, that place that you're at is two steps away, not just a whole step away. It's two steps away from the Buddha. Two steps away. Mm-hmm. And you can see that they've gotten quite magical in their two steps. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very magical stuff, like super magical. It's all wishing and visualizing and praying and reciting, stuff like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, what would you say about the people there that you've met? Do you think that they've gotten value out of doing those practices? You know, I've observed the monks and nuns here for a while. Along, like since I came here, like really closely and talked to them, and some, it's it's very like it's very, it's such a variety of of character, you know. It's not like one. It's it's some people just seem like, like, very unhappy. Some people seem absolutely really cultish and like very preaching, and some people are very just chill and happy. It's very. There's no like it's you know it's just people I suppose. <laughs> uh, but some people have been here for 15, 20 years and they're, they seem absolutely mentally f really in chaos. Some people have been here, you know what I mean? It's very, um, yeah, it's very, I don't know. It's, 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 there's no one quality that, that I can say it's like, or, or there's no, there's no like, yes, this, everyone has got a lot of benefit. I don't know. I would say, based upon the experience that I have seen, is, is that if a system is actually working and the system itself is what's working, then people who have been in that system for 10 or 20, no, not 10, 20 or 30 years have gotten great benefit out of it. But what you're saying is, is that people have been there for more than 20 years and they look like their lives are still in turmoil. So, Whoever has gotten something from that maybe had gotten part of their uh, value someplace else rather than this place. Yeah, I think that that's that's a, you're, that's really spot on for the more older nuns and monks who I've spoken to and had good conversation. Like they had more of a journey to get to where they are. So to say, like they went a lot. Um, people who are just in it immediately, who just like some people here literally only found Buddhism through Kadampa. They didn't know who the Buddha was before this, and this this is like the, these are the people who are more leaning towards a lot of like duality in you know kind of thing, feeling of yeah. You can just feel it, you know. I just feel it like very easily with with those people. Um, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Okay. Well, when you leave there, there the option would be is to go um, find a better place or to go find a worse place. So hard to find. Or to go find a real sewer to get into. <laughs> and so what are your plans? When you leave there, what, do you, what are your plans? Where are you, what, what you got in mind? Like, this place is, was amazing for for developing certain things, you know, like it's a good environment mm -hmm. where I actually 
practice and talk to you and practice and this you know meditate and do stuff like that and work with people and talk with people who are in similar like a lot of people here who are like my age or so or just older people are still very like um it's really nice to share things and mirror things to each other and work with obstacles we're both experiencing like those kinds of it's good friendships here and stuff any place like that is really cool i don't mind so much where i go but i have no plans at all <laughs> and i'm leaving sunday and um maybe i will go to i will try to go down to spain maybe i will try to yeah maybe i will like hitchhike into london and f get into spain somehow maybe join another temple down there um I don't know how much trouble that it would be, but one of the places that you might want to vin visit is in Himmel Hampstead. How far are you from there? Well, where's Himmel Hampstead? It's it north of London, maybe a hundred kilometers or more north of London. Uh, the name what, of the Watt there is um, uh, Amaravati. Ah, Amaravati. I sent them an application actually. Uh, I don't know if they replied to me. I'm already. Uh, ah, no, they, they haven't replied, but I did send an application like two days ago, but they haven't replied yet. Wow, an application. Well, a form, volunteer form. <laughs> huh. I don't know what that's about. I have never seen anyone in Thailand ever have to go to a watch by, but first filling out a piece of paper. Well, I would hope to get to be able to stay there so they need like things about me, you know, like they need to make sure I'm not criminal, so to say, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Sounds like someone who wrote a bunch of forms is full of fear. They don't want dangerous people there. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's uh, That's unfortunate, but never mind. The well, question yeah. is, is that what would happen if you just showed up? I just and showed they up. They say, well, you got to fill out a fill an application. You say, well, I did fill out the application. And I sent it to you already, so you should have my application on file. Mm, well, as far as I know, they would reply to me by email saying if they can accept me or not to stay there, and they have like occupied accommodation there for whatever, you know? Well, I do know this, that Thai people uh, and the Thai culture has a lot about um, formal introductions and word of mouth and all of that kind of stuff. But in fact, I had uh, traveled with papers that, that Achan Po would, would write out. All in time, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it was a, a major door opener. All I had to do was give them that piece of paper uh, from my Chan Po, and things were easy. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know how, but that's all with, with Thai people. And uh, I, I assume that uh, Amravati has gotten kind of Western. The last time I was there, been 35 years since I was there. That was a long time ago. <laughs> but but Achan Samedo was the abbot at that time. And I knew him from Thailand. So 
So I already had that. Kind. In fact, I got to Amravati because of the um, invitation that, that I'd gotten from him personally. So I'm not sure how it would be with Amravati. And there's also uh, down in the south of England, there's Chithurst, which is also associated with Amravati. Chithurst. Mm -hmm. But there are more places. There are more Thai temples. There's uh, several big ones, I understand, in London itself. But I would avoid London because of the city. In fact, I like the, the surroundings that you're at. I, uh, being in the forest, being in a in a garden, is very conducive to good practice. Yeah, I'll search. I think these Thai temples, I guess. Yeah. And then there's the possibility. I don't know what's available in Spain, but you do have Plum Village and some stuff in France. Mm, I sent them one too. Haven't replied. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see. Well, one of the things about these Western places that are quasi-Asian is, is that they're still dealing with COVID. Yeah. That COVID is still a big deal. It's still a big deal here in Thailand that people still wear masks out, out in public. Uh, so uh, that's also affecting the uh, the various watts and temples throughout the entire West that many of them have been closed down literally for two years or more mm. because of the, uh, uh, the COVID. And in that regard, it's always the lay people who run the temple anyway. That in fact, one of the things that I remember was that at Am Amaravati, there was a lot of Sri Lankan people there that there's a heavy Sri Lankan influence, even though it's Thai, set up by Achan Cha, but there just happened to have been a lot of um, Sri Lankan people. And so they started to go to that temple and, and it took on a uh, Sri Lankan kind of a flavor. But in any case, whether they're Thai people or Sri Lankan people, the, the lay people are the ones who run the Wat. Monks are always just guests. And a monk can pack his bags and walk right out almost any time of the year, all except for Ponza, but that's a, uh, a, a different point. Um, but in, in that regard, the monks really don't own the property. They don't have any say-so. They're guests there. And all the bills are paid and all the money is exchanged and all of that is done by lay people. And that's true here in Thailand, too. So I don't know what's happening with uh, Amravati now because it's been run by lay people for all this time. I would say things have changed in 35 years, Tamar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> well, 35 years ago I was 40 and now I'm 75 and I haven't changed a bit. <laughs> I was 10 years still... Uh, still somewhere <laughs> uh-huh okay so the kind of question i'm i'm kind of looking at the kind of question that you're asking can you be more specific about 
what your question is because you've already been looking around and finding the places and so uh, you're not looking for addresses from me. What are you looking for? Just, uh, you know, like just to deal with the development of getting out of certain belief systems and patterns about yourself that really feel like they can only be approached by going out into the world and seeing them as they are and actually being able to deal with them full on. In other words, like to be more direct, to be able to be look and get what you want, see things, be able to carry your own shoes, you know, like develop this character's kind of self to be able to be structured by yourself, to be able to be developing really um, rooted in your own shoes out in reality, like the world, society, so to say. As I've been okay. here for a while, I feel like I've got really far in terms of being feeling like that within myself, despite what's happening outside. So I want to actually go outside and have a more direct experience that isn't. Um... Give me an example. Yes, yeah, so like um, just traveling down and and you know, traveling alone, so to say, for a while and seeing how that goes and meeting people and developing relationships and having more emotional bonding with people, things that I haven't really actually had in life, like um, relationships, yeah, like a lot of relationships with women or friends and family. I didn't have that so much growing up. So this feel like it's just so out of my experience that I feel like I should go towards it and see what's really there. Because, right. you know, that makes sense. Well, like I, have a one, I have a one-word answer for your question now. Okay. A one-word answer, but it may take a bit of discussion. Okay. The one-word answer is smile. That's what you want to do every time that you remember that wherever you go, because if you're going to be traveling, that means that you're going to be in constant turmoil, constant flux, constant wherever you are is unfamiliar. And not only that, but you're not going to stay there long enough for it to become familiar. You're on your way to some other place that's unfamiliar. I was still looking at All right. So um, if you are in that mentality, then there's going to be a some trepidation and some fear. Another way of doing it, though, is to not travel with trepidation and fear because of the unknown and the fear of the unknown. You can travel with enthusiasm. And that's what I'm inviting you to do is to smile, to have some enthusiasm for your travel. To see everything is a brand new adventure, that nothing is really dangerous here. You might get yourself into an interesting situation, but you can get back out of that interesting situation into another interesting situation. That's easy enough to do because after all, you're traveling. You can walk away from anything. 
And so this is the way that we would approach this, is do it with enthusiasm, not in the sense of looking for something, but finding many, many things. Mm -hmm. Because you're out traveling, there's going to be a lot of unknown things, a lot of new things to be developed, a lot of new friends to meet. And the best way to meet those people is with a smile and enthusiasm. You don't want anything from them. You're there to spread the joy that the people in the temple that you're in now wish for. Hmm. That would be the way that I would approach it, okay, is to have that mindfulness to remember that you that you're in charge of the situation. You're the one who chose to go travel. You're the one who showed up here. You're the boss here and have been all along. Yeah. <laughs> and get that confidence going so that you're confident at traveling. Why? Because everybody you meet is a friend. You don't need enemies. And so you meet everyone with a smile. That, and you can easily make friends like that. If you bring a smile and enthusiasm to your travel, you'll get enormous benefit out of it. So yep. will others. And what do you think about um, being able to continue met, like practice and you know like reading, or um, being able to practice during uh, traveling, so to say, like. Um, well, you know. when you're traveling, you're normally on a transport, like on a bus or a train or an airplane, something like that. That's an excellent opportunity to travel, to uh, practice Anapanasati while traveling, mindfully breathing in and out while feeling the bumpy ride that you're on. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Become aware of what's happening around you. Pay attention to the outside senses rather than paying attention to the outside intellectually, which is actually inside. A lot of people are confused about what's inside and what's outside. But the reality is, is that what's outside is what comes through your senses, the things you can see, the things you can hear, the things that touch. The bouncing of the train, the clicky-clacky sound of the train, the movement of the, uh, the stuff outside the windows. This is all real. Thinking about where you're going is not. That's just conceptualizing. Because you're going someplace you've never been before. Like, for instance, going to Spain, you think of going to Madrid. Well, maybe you've seen a photo of Madrid, and that's all you know of Madrid. And so we've got photo pictures. We've got images of photos that we have in our mind, and we think that's Madrid. No, that's not Madrid. You won't know Madrid until you get there. And when you do, Madrid will be uh, expressed through the things you see, the things you hear, the touch of the, uh, the cloth, the feelings around you, the reality of the situation. And so when you're in Madrid, experience Madrid instead of thinking about going to Barcelona. In other words, be where you are now. Be there openly, enthusiastically, with a big smile on your face. And you'll enjoy your travels. Yeah, most of this was, like, the whole intention is kind of, 
it's like as if everything is under uh, everything is in the context of what I can do for like the spiritual development so to say and I feel like I don't know how important it is to do this but I feel like it's very important to to be able to go through this experience you know like because of the, because of the um, my life so to say I have to um go through this experience because of the life I had and and go out that um get out of this chamber of of it's almost as if I'm certain things I hold on to are just always there is because I have never experienced things in life that should be experienced like good relationships and and um, to be able to tr like you know move around and ask people go to be able to talk to strangers like I was super like very isolated and like beat down so to say where I was growing up so to be able to go around to be talk to strangers be really open and get out of this shell that I was um, that sounds marvelous I really highly recommend that you do that I very highly recommend that people do travel that people who stay in one place their whole life only know that one place yeah and that I would say uh, having been a traveler and done a lot of travel, that uh, it's valuable. I learned more about the United States by being out of the United States than I ever learned about being in the United States. Mm. Why? Because I saw alternate ways of doing things, alternate ways of living. But you're also going to, in those travels, meet an awful lot of unhappy people. Yeah. And your job is to not allow their unhappiness to encroach upon your joy and enthusiasm. Yeah, that's a big thing. I, I see sometimes people suffering changes my behavior in the sense, like, you know, I've actually, you say sometimes that, I don't know exactly what you said, but something about having sugar, enough sugar to be able to give it to everyone and not get affected by their suffering or like don't get caught up in their thing as if it was real in your experience. Mm -hmm. Or more see mm -hmm. it as it is, be able to, it's compassion or something, like you said. It was, it's, it's, it's like deep compassion is actually having enough sugar to be able to give those people who are really unhappy some sugar too or something like that. I don't know if that was what you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds correct. Exactly so. Right. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Okay. And uh, uh, that one song is actually quite valuable to understand that uh, we don't want to take our medicine. We don't want to see what's real. We resist it. And so uh, offering that teaspoon of sugar will help the medicine go down when you start living dhamma in front of them they can see it because they can see the results of your dhamma is joy and enthusiasm mm. now that joy or uh, another word for joy would be in fact the word delight and the Pali, there's two words for delight one is nandi and the other one is rato so Nandy is delight, to become delightful and delighted with your travels. Because your travels are the Dhamma. 
be, become delighted with the Dhamma, joyful and enthusiastic or eager for it. These are signs of good practice. Yes. Joyful, exuberant, enthusiastic, delighted. These are the results of good practice. Not the final results, but an excellent intermediate result. And so that's my best advice for you. Smile. Smile. Okay. Smile. Smile at the ugly, smile at the beautiful, smile at the ordinary. If people ask you for money, give them money and smile. If they ask for your advice, give them advice and smile. If they ask you to take a hike, smile on your way out. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, That'll keep you out of trouble a lot. <laughs> I hope so I don't know how it's going to go, but I mean, I don't I have nothing else to do but to see it when it happens. You know, no worries. Well, so there's, a, there's a younger child in me who wants to go with you. <laughs> but the old Dama dude wants to just sit here and hear about it. <laughs> I mean, I look at people like you and your qualities and so to say, and, and your uh, like the way I feel about you, and I, that's who I want to develop towards to be able to. Well, you're already this. there. You've already got it. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you're already okay. a Buddhadasa. Well, I've only begun reading uh, Baker Buddhadasa's books in the last couple of weeks. So I, I think I've just feel like I just maybe my just started like stepping up uh, very long, long long mountainous stairs that seems to be like covered in myst mystical but fog. it's not a long mountainous stairs, it's just this step. Just this <laughs> It's just well, one yes. step, just take this step. And if yes. you find another step, then take that one. But don't visualize in your mind about a whole great long set of stairs there because you don't know. It's not right. daunting. That's the attitude of a victim. The attitude of a winner is, oh, I can take another step. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why should you worry about feeling as good as I do when you already feel that way right now anyway? Ah. <laughs> uh -huh. The path is that easy, just one step at a time. This step, that's the only thing that we have to deal with is this one. This step, yes. This step, take it happily, enjoy the practice. Watch where you're stepping. <laughs> I feel like this advice is, is uh, or this uh, understanding of one thing at a time or what's there is to, if i can really hold that in mind when i'm traveling i know like i've really thought about that it's so like that has been so like ripening feel like experience like it's really ripened this just what's here now like 
one thing at a time. It's, it's really nice. I'm so curious what's going to happen when I go to travel. You know? What ripens is the Samo San Kappa. What ripens is our attitude. What ripens is that uh, our confidence that we can do this. Yes. We can do it. You can handle it. You can go travel and meet the world and have fun doing it enthusiastically with a big smile. You can do it. Can I ask you something about play? Yes. Because this Please has been... do play. <laughs> Ooh, this might get a bit noisy. There's a big ass crane coming right now. We're... Might get a bit noisy. Um, yeah. Uh, oh my god, I might die here. <laughs> uh, a, uh, well, we can play with it. No, uh, it, it's not so noisy for you've got good sound answering, I think, on your. Uh, on your yeah. So now um, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, someone here in this place really reflected, like they really were almost a mirror. When they were like super playful, they were, they were acting very playful. And I, inside myself, was like, whoa, I feel really resisting this part of me, like this playful child. And I started to really investigate what is that feeling. It's as if I started to really, really investigate. It's like, wow, I really can't play. Like, I cannot play. And it's like, I, this is such a struggle. Like, it's almost like I, I'm not allowed to play. And it's like a super uh unbelievable restricting feeling where all of this like very embarrassing do not be seen worrying what people think feelings rushing to me and it's like don't do that don't do that i so deep down deeply deeply want to learn how to play again because i started to remember wow when i was a child i was so playful and then throughout my life i started to like get beat down into taking things extremely seriously and like pushing this part of me away that's desperate to be like come come out again you know Mm -hmm. That's okay. So, getting that playfulness back is done with the enthusiasm, with the joy, and also to remember that it's okay for you to play. Yes, you the playfulness was beaten out of you before, but that people who beat it out of you are not around anymore. They're not there. You do not have to follow their rules. You can be playful now. You're the boss here. So the thing to do before you leave, if you haven't left yet, is to go seek this guy out that's playful and talk to him about playfulness and see what he has to say. Go use him as a mentor. Mm. Allow him to be playful and show you that it's safe to be playful. Yes, he may yeah. not know what you're talking about because he was naturally playful. <laughs> yeah, because he never had it beat out of him. But the likelihood is is that he is re revisiting because he felt that way too. That's very common in our culture for the playfulness to get beat out of us. Yeah.
yeah yeah i have to, i think i i should really try to be around people who are who can play and learn from mm -hmm. that yeah. Yes, if you can't seek out nobles, at least seek out people who are playful. <laughs> yes, well, that's the best. The best because thing. they're on their way to noble. <laughs> One playful step at a time. Ooh. Ooh. So this has got the same theme, isn't it? It's very interesting. Yeah, the, the one word that I gave you, and we've been talking about it for about an hour, has to do with smile, play, enthusiasm. And now you're telling me that you've got a really good example. So go spend some time with him. Let as yeah. much of his playfulness as possible rub off on you so you've got a week or more supply, but when you leave the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit. There's quite a bit to work on, but it's really just what you're saying. Like, there's just one thing to do in a sense is, is the moment, this moment, smiling in this moment, step and step, but just, yeah, it's not so. That's know. all we've got. That's the yeah. only thing that's important is being alive right here, right now. Nothing else is important. Yeah, and I can see it will take, it will take more time for me to understand, like, uh, to get into a point where maybe meditation can take more, or Anapanasati, I can more understand it. Because I can see it takes, it's it's quite a developmental thing maybe to understand it more and more and more, like how Anapanasati works and meditation, the jhanas. I don't, I think it was just, it's going to unfold more as I become so happier. The unfolding comes with the skills. And yeah. we've got four primary skills to develop. One is to remember, to look, to investigate. Number three is to make a change. Number four is to congratulate yourself for the change. That's an easy way of talking about it, is to pay attention to what you're doing and then gladden the mind, brighten it up, put a smile on, put some enthusiasm in it and say, hey, I can do this. We practice those things over and over and over again with great repetition and out traveling is a really good opportunity to do it. Mm. Those are the skills, just those four skills. Get them up to skill level. Being a loser is a bad habit. Being a winner is a skill. Joy is a skill to be developed. Happiness is a skill to be developed. Satisfaction is a skill to be developed. Take some time. I've, I've really quite a lot. Well, of do it again. Do it again. It doesn't take a lot of time. You just do it again right now. <laughs> I'm getting you out of that habit. <laughs> Don't look at it as off in the future. Look at it right now. This is it. You can do it. I know you can do it. Right, right on, right on, right on. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> see that little subtle slip from always in the future I don't have it now I'm poor me I'm a victim and the, hey I got it I got it this is it <laughs> okay
with this. So the final advice is go make friends with this playful guy. Learn a couple of things from him. I'm sure he's got something to teach you. I will. I will see how it goes. I'll talk to you uh, after I travel. I don't know where I'll be next Thursday, but I'll also have to hopefully okay. be able to be you, All you need is an internet connection, and I hear that those are easy enough to come by. So we'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you, Davarado. This has been great. <laughs> this has been really great. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so yeah. much. Really a lot too. <laughs> cool. We'll see cool. you. I'll see you. Bye -bye. Okay, bye-bye.